Well, today we are continuing in our series, Principles for Christian Political Engagement. Uh, This is the fourth week in the series, and so let me appeal to those of you who maybe have missed a week or two, uh, if you would, especially if this is your church home, I encourage you to go online, uh, catch up with uh, these topics. I think they're important topics, and so I think it would be wonderful if you were to keep up to date. So I appeal to you uh, to do that. One of the points that I've made throughout this series is that government and politics has such a significant impact on our lives, and it can be such a force for either great good or great harm, that as believers, I don't think we can afford to just abandon government and politics. And so I believe that we need to stay engaged, and I've made this point over and over uh, throughout the series. I'm not sure that we could come up with any area of life that government doesn't intersect with in some way. Uh, I don't present that as a good thing necessarily, uh, just a statement of reality. If you pick an area, any area of life, pick a topic, it's almost certain that government and politics is going to intersect with that in some way. I mean, let's think about this a little bit. The cars we drive... I don't think about government as I'm driving my car, and yet government, and I'll mention, I feel like I'm really loud. I'll defer to those who make those decisions, but I just mentioned I feel really loud. Uh, So the cars we drive, we don't really think of the cars we drive as being, you know, anything to do with government and politics, but government is heavily involved in automobile manufacturing regulating that. The fuel we place in our cars, government is very involved in that. Whether or not we're even allowed to drive is something that government is very involved in. We have to get a license from the government to be able to drive. We have to register our cars and we have to pay to register our cars. So so government is heavily involved, even in the cars we drive. Government heavily regulates and impacts education. Every business in the country, no matter how large or small, has to invest significant time and resources into accounting to the government for their profits and losses and, and the employees they have and what they pay their employees and what taxes they've withheld from their employees. Government intersects with virtually every area of life. Healthcare. Government is very involved in regulating healthcare, efforts to alleviate poverty, the environment, religious liberty, abortion, and on and on and on and on the list could go. Government impacts every area of life. I really don't think that we could come up with an area of life that government does not impact in some way. And it's just a reality of life. And so I share all this to make the following point. As Christians engage politically, because of how influential government is in every area of life, there is a virtually limitless list of issues that come into play as we consider who we're going to vote for, what policies we we may choose to advocate for, And what politicians we may decide represent enough of our values that we choose to publicly advocate for those politicians. 
with so many ways the government impacts life, with so many issues on the table, we have to be able to prioritize the issues upon which we base our voting and our advocacy. No one candidate is ever going to exactly match each of our own personal preferences on the whole range of issues that government impacts. And so we have to be able to prioritize the issues that are the most important. Every issue is not of equal importance, and so that requires that we prioritize. And we need to be able to have a reliable way to determine which issues are most important so that we prioritize well. I've titled today's message, Vote Responsibly by Prioritizing the Issues. If you picked up a sermon outline, and I'll mention here that they're always available in the little shelf at the back of the little bookshelf at the back of the uh, sanctuary, if you picked one of those up today, you'll see that today's message is part one of a two-part sermon. I initially planned to preach that entire outline today, but to do that, I realized as I was preparing that I'd either have to not cover things as thoroughly as I wanted to, or I would preach an extremely long message. So, I didn't want to do that, so it became a two-part message. You are welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so today, I'm going to share how prioritizing the issues upon which we, uh, I'm going to share how we can prioritize the issues upon which we vote in a way that is consistent with our faith. And the way we do that is by asking the right questions about the issues. And there are four questions I believe we should ask that will help us prioritize the issues upon which we vote. And then next week what we're going to do is we're going to apply those four questions to three issues that government impacts. The issue of abortion, the issue of poverty, and the issue of health care uh, or health insurance. Uh, so next week we'll see how this approach, asking these questions, might lead us to prioritize those issues. And then next week I'll also uh, talk a little bit about how we handle disagreements among fellow believers. What do we do if we all go through the same process, we all ask the right questions, but then we come to different conclusions, we come to different answers. What do we do then? And a sneak peek is, we shake our head and say, I don't know what's wrong with those people. We'll say a little bit more than that, but uh, that might show up somewhere. <laughs> I have a disclaimer to share with you today before we proceed, and that is that because of how I've chosen to approach this message, giving it in two parts, today is going to mark the, the only time in our 15 years as a church that a talk I've given on a Sunday does not have a scripture reference, and that feels sort of odd. And so I appeal to you to understand, for those of you who might be inclined to harumph that there's no scripture reference today. I appeal to you to understand that scripture references will come next week in part two, and I appeal to you to understand that everything I say today is going to be elevating the importance of the Bible in how we make our voting decisions. So the Bible is the center of the message, 
even though we're not going to be actually looking at a text of Scripture uh, today. So let's begin. We can prioritize the issues upon which we vote by asking the right questions. Four questions we should ask ourselves as we engage politically. Question number one, does the Bible speak about this issue? As you look at all of the issues that government impacts, all of the issues that you may be considering to help form your uh, views on who you should vote for, question number one, does the Bible speak about this issue? Christian, the Bible is our book. We are people of the book. The Bible reveals to us what God thinks about everything that it it, uh, presents to us. The Bible is the Word of God. It reveals God Himself to us. It reveals to us the things that matter to God. It reveals to us how God wants us to live. It reveals to us the things that are in the best interest of our fellow man, the things that contribute to human flourishing, and it reveals to us the things that have a negative and destructive impact on our lives and the lives of our fellow citizens. And so as believers, our number one concern in every area of life with every issue of our politics is what is pleasing to God. And the Bible reveals that to us. And so our very first question in prioritizing the issues upon which we vote has to be, does the Bible speak about this issue? If the Bible speaks about it, then what the Bible says needs to guide what we think about the issue and how we prioritize the issue in our own lives and in our politics, how we vote and who we vote for. You see, Christians are people who submit themselves to the will of God as we discover his will in the pages of the Bible. Here's how it works. We may have been just whistling through life with all of our opinions about everything that we made by any process we might have chosen. Uh, Take a little bit of wisdom here, a little bit of wisdom there. I get my own thought. I I drank too much one night and a crazy thought popped into my head. Like all of these ways that we just form opinions about things. And so we can just be going through life with a view on a particular issue. The, the drinking too much and having a thought was not an endorsed view, you understand. It was just, it was just saying that that's, that's a way people might come to an idea. And, and so we have particular views on issues, but then as believers we find out that the Bible addresses that issue. And we find out that what the Bible says about that issue conflicts with what we've always thought about that issue. It conflicts with our view. When that happens, there is one option for a Christian. And the option is to submit our thinking to God's thinking as revealed in the Bible. We never look at what the Bible says as just one opinion among many that we're then going to choose the best opinion. What the Bible says is always the best opinion. And so we submit to that. 
we yield to that. We say, okay, I thought this, but obviously I was wrong. And so now I'm going to think this other thing that the Bible says. So the starting point of prioritizing the issues so that we vote responsibly, vote in a way that is consistent with our faith, vote in a way that is in the best interest of our fellow man is to ask of each issue, does the Bible speak about this issue? And if the Bible speaks about an issue, then it immediately gets placed on the priority list of our voting issues. After answering that question, the second question we should ask ourselves is this one. How clearly does the Bible speak about this issue? The Bible is always accurate. The Bible is always reliable. But the Bible does not always speak with equal clarity on all topics. And if you're pushing back against that, let me give you an example. The Bible speaks very clearly regarding the deity of Christ, speaks very clearly that salvation is found in Christ alone, speaks very clearly that Jesus Christ will someday return. The Bible speaks less clearly on other topics. One example being, when will Christ return? As we're going to discover in our next sermon series. Hence, Christians debate over things like really important things, like whether Christ is going to return before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation. What? Oh, well, carry on. Don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> Rob and Stan were just having a discussion. <laughs> I'm just, just joking, just joking. So, so, uh, so which is it? Christians debate over whether all of the conditions for Christ's return have been met, and so his return is imminent, or whether there are still things that must be accomplished before Christ will return, and even though those things might happen quickly, that, that it's not necessarily imminent. And so the Bible speaks to many issues, but not always with the exact same clarity. Some issues have little or even no room for disagreement among Bible-believing Christians over what the Bible says. But on other issues, there is quite a bit of room for varying interpretations, different opinions to form. And we'll see this, I think, when we get into those case studies uh, next week. How clearly the Bible speaks on a topic helps us to prioritize how we vote. The clearer the Bible speaks on a topic, the higher up our priority list that issue should be. So if the Bible speaks about an issue, it gets to our priority list. If the Bible speaks clearly on the issue, then it should be high on the list of issues upon which we vote. So question number one, does the Bible speak about the issue? Question number two, how clearly does the Bible speak? And then the third question is this, what specific policy guidance might the Bible give on this issue, if any? What specific policy guidance might the Bible give on this issue, if any? 
Uh, pastor and author Timothy Keller recently shared this thought on uh, social media. I'm just sharing a, a snippet of the thought. Uh, he, he wrote, The Bible binds my conscience to care for the poor, but it doesn't tell me the best practical way to do it. Any particular strategy may be good and wise. The Bible binds my conscience to love the immigrant, but it doesn't tell me how many legal immigrants to admit to the United States every year. And then he went on with more examples uh, like those. The, the point of Keller's thought is the Bible may speak to an issue without giving specific guidance on the best policies for a believer to support in caring about and trying to make a difference regarding that issue. If, though, we find issues where the Bible does give guidance that direct us regarding specific policy approaches to an issue, then those issues should move even higher up our list of priorities. And I'm hoping that we will see that in the case studies that we look at next week. So, if the Bible speaks about an issue, it needs to be an issue that a believer prioritizes. If the Bible speaks clearly, then it should move higher on our list of priorities upon which we vote. And then if the Bible gives us some specific guidance regarding policy, now you're dealing with an issue that needs to be among the very highest of our concerns when we come to cast uh, our vote. Here's the fourth question we ask ourselves to help prioritize our voting issues. And this is the question that we ask ourselves if the Bible is silent on an issue, or if the Bible doesn't speak clearly on an issue, or if the Bible is silent regarding specific policy guidance. In any of these cases, we ask this question, what does a Christian worldview suggest is the right position to take? Here's what Focus on the Family, uh, how Focus on the Family defines worldview. A worldview is the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. It's an ideology, philosophy, theology, movement, or religion that provides an overarching approach to understanding God, the world, and man's relations to God and the world. And then Focus goes on to explain uh, a Christian or a biblical worldview this way. A biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God. When you believe the Bible is entirely true, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything you say, everything you think, everything you do. They didn't say this, but you could go on and say it becomes the foundation of how you vote. I would also add this. A mind transformed by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit a life that looks at the world through the lens of the Bible and a relationship with God, I believe such a life, such a person, has a pretty good chance of knowing what pleases God with any particular issue, even if the Bible is silent or not entirely clear on that particular issue. None of us are infallible, so we may err, we may get issues wrong sometimes, but if the Bible is silent or unclear, simply being people who look at all of life with a Christian worldview may very well lead us to the right thoughts on issues and even the right policy positions on particular 
issues. And I think we're going to see this and how this works uh, next week when we look at these case studies. It's also possible, and this is something that I think would really help us and, and help our political dialogue even among fellow Christians, it is possible sometimes to look at an issue with a Christian worldview and come up with a variety of viewpoints and a variety of policy positions that might be okay from a Christian perspective. Not everything is black and white. How much you pay in property taxes isn't necessarily something you can find real clear guidance on in the scriptures. And so you may be totally convinced that God would not be pleased with the level of property taxes that you're paying. And someone else can be thinking God would be pleased if we paid a lot more. And both of those positions could be permissible from a Christian perspective. Not everything is black and white. We can sometimes ask what the Bible says about an issue, apply a Christian worldview to the issue, and still come away without clarity. And when that's the case, I would say we have then discovered an issue that needs to be quite low on our priority list, and we should be much more appreciative of a diversity of opinion among our brothers and sisters when that is the case. We should be much more tolerant of diversity of opinion among our brothers and sisters than what we would be with something that has gone really high up the list because of it being spoken about in the Bible, being spoken about clearly in the Bible, and even having some specific policy guidance. Some issues we simply don't need to contend with each other over because there is not a clear biblical or Christian position. But here is the main point, uh, and that is that we want to approach things with a Christian worldview because if we do that, it may lead us to an answer as to how to prioritize that issue, what would be pleasing to God, even if the Bible is silent or unclear. So these four questions, does the Bible speak about this issue? How clearly does it speak? What specific policy guidance does it give, if any? And what does a Christian worldview suggest is the right position? Asking these four questions will help us to prioritize the issues upon which we vote in a way that is pleasing to God and that is helpful to our fellow man. Who knows better what's good for our fellow man than God who created them? And so when we vote this way, we're not only pleasing God, but it is the way we are the most helpful to our fellow man. So I know I'm being a little bit repetitive, but, but bear with me, and you're going to get out of here early, even with the repetition, so you should be really happy. When the Bible speaks about an issue, it becomes a priority in our voting. When the Bible speaks clearly about an issue, now it moves higher up the priority list. And when specific policy guidance is found in the Bible, then that issue moves 
really high, right up at the top few things that we vote on. When all of these things exist, then we've found issues that are of utmost importance and need our attention. I've said multiple times throughout this series that God is sovereign over every part of our lives. And Christian, that includes our politics. Our politics do not belong to us if we are Christians. Our politics belong to God. We simply are not free to hold any old position that we prefer on the issues upon which we vote. We have a responsibility as believers to find out what God has said about the issues. And if God has spoken on them, then we have a responsibility to vote consistent with what God has said about that issue. Looking ahead to next week, in our case studies on abortion, poverty, and health care, and health insurance, we are not free to form our opinions and decide how to prioritize those issues in our voting until we have found out if God has spoken on those issues and if he has, what he's said. Our politics are not our own. Our politics belong to God. Friends, we are in the midst of an incredibly consequential election season. It is my prayer that as people of the book, as people of the book, that we would allow the book to guide the positions that we take on issues. That we would allow the book to guide our selection of candidates we choose to support and vote for. And if we will prioritize our voting issues in the ways that I have presented to us today, I am confident that we will vote in a way that's pleasing to God and that we will vote in a way that is pleasing, uh, not only pleasing to God, but in the best interest of our fellow man. Next week, as we look at those three case studies, we're going to, I think, see how those three issues would be prioritized from a biblical perspective. And then what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to apply that practice to all of the issues. Not covering them all next week, just covering three, but then we're each individually going to be able to go and take that approach, apply it to all of the issues, and we are going to be able to determine by doing that the issues that matter the most, and then we're going to be able to vote for the candidates who hold the best positions on the most important issues. Amen? Let's stand. 